So our sermon today from Psalm 1 is about crisis and education. Now, when I say crisis, I want to be clear about what I, what I mean. I'm not talking about a state of fear and chaos where everything is falling apart, which is, which is often how the world is used. Uh, but what I'm talking about, I mean a point of unavoidable decision, a point where you must choose. So when we talk about crisis to describe this sort of turning point where things will be different whether or not you choose you have chosen and things will be different and this is your choice that's in your hands speaking of crisis in this way I think we can see that all around us this is kind of a season of crisis you know the leaves are changing things are coming around uh, nationally we notice you know there's a, a presidential election coming up uh, and there's, there are choices there that are going to come. There, uh, there's a lot of danger, a lot of concern about our stock market, the how, how will people respond to this financial crisis, this turning point, because to not respond is a response. Things will be different. These are crises. Uh, locally, we've heard about uh, Italian radioactive waste wanting to be shipped to Utah. This is a crisis, this is a turning point. It's a decision that must be made. And of course, in this community, there are decisions about leadership, about the interim pastor. There are turning points upon us in this season. And as I'll discuss, I believe that, that we in this community are at a turning point in our Christian education, an unavoidable decision about education. So our scripture reading is appropriate. Let me read it again. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version here. Psalm 1. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As you can hear, Psalm 1 presents us with a crisis point. It says you have the way of the righteous or the way of the wicked. Either or, black or white, you have to choose. No waffling allowed. This psalm is much like other crisis points in the Bible in that if we look at it closely, we seem to find within the crisis both a question and a calling question and a calling. And I'll admit something to you. I don't really like these kinds of crisis points. They're stressful and difficult for me. And I've seen so many times that this kind of black and white either or has been used to abuse people and to, to wield shame and, and uh, judgment and self-righteousness. Uh, and personally, 
I just prefer the gray areas where I can keep all my options open. Um, I, I, I used to be late for the school bus growing up because I couldn't decide on which cereal to, to choose from. This is, this is true. And even now, I have a hard time kind of deciding uh, whether or not the leftovers are good in the fridge, so I'll just kind of leave them there until there's no question anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, I, hope, I hope that I'm not the only one who does this. But then a, a few years ago, I was faced with a crisis point. I was confronted with a decision that I could not put off or avoid. I was brought face to face with my priorities. Where are my priorities? And I was changed because of this crisis point. And what happened, I was reading a poem. I was going through a, a very difficult process of, of discovering my priorities and, and being confronted with, with who I was and where I was going. And I was reading this poem by Antonio Machado. And it ends in this question. He asks, what have you done with the garden that was entrusted to you? This question suddenly made the crisis point very clear. I could continue on as I was, trying to live up to everyone's expectations, trying to be responsible in the eyes of the world, trying to be everything to everyone, trying to keep up with everything that I should be doing while neglecting my soul, while neglecting my relationship with God, neglecting my relationship with my neighbor. And I could watch as the roses in my garden, my joy, my hope, my peace, my happiness, continued to wither and die. In the same way, this psalm offers us the gift of clarity. The ways of the world are based on violence, are based on exploitation, are based on oppression. The advice of the wicked says to destroy yourself through addiction. The path of sinners is to fear your neighbor, to hate your life, to be ashamed of your body. The seat of scoffers is the place of self-righteousness and judgment. And so the psalm brings us this clear question. What are we doing with the garden that has been entrusted to us. Along with this question, along with this question, is the call. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. 
In all that they do, they prosper. On his law, they meditate day and night. Now, on first glance, one might think of 24-hour vigils, reading through the commandments and holiness laws in Deuteronomy, which is probably an activity that most people would not immediately associate with the word delight. Well, the Hebrew word here that we translate as law is Torah. If you're familiar with this word, this is a, this is a word that means law. It also means the first five books of the Bible. It also means something more than that. Something touching on your way of life. Something touching on being in accord with God's will. I think here we can use some help from a somewhat radical Jewish biblical scholar, someone who said that the true law of the Lord is less about Sabbath rules, what you eat, or strictly following commandments. Someone who said that the true law of the Lord is about good news to the poor and release to the captives. The true law of the Lord is about being salt and light to the world. The true law of the Lord is more about relationships than rules. The true law of the Lord is to love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And what? Love your neighbor as yourself. This law is more than a set of rules and commandments. This law is the living water. This is the living water. This living water is what quenches your deepest thirst. This is the water that brings new life to your garden. This is the water that brings new life such that your leaves do not wither and that you bear fruit in season. And so along with this clarifying question in our psalm, we have this call. Be planted by the streams of living water. Now, in the short time, in the couple of years that I've been connected to the First Baptist community, I've seen some real struggles, and I've, I've heard about others. And through it all, I've seen that this is a church that has bent, but not broken. The communion we share has never given in to the cold winds of bitterness and division. And therefore, we can know for certain that within our midst, sitting amongst us today, within our garden are trees that are planted by the living water. I've met so many. Uh, Larry with his enthusiasm, and uh, Lisa and Wendy with their consistent efforts for the education and, and Sunday school program. Uh, Jackie with her sense of humor, and uh, Dennis with his music, uh, Judy with her yoga practice, uh, Miss Hattie with her graciousness, Marion with her passion, um, Esther and Ken with their creativity working with the youth. There's, there's, there's really too many to list. It's, it's astounding how we find these trees in our garden. Um, 
But what about our education here? Why do I say that it's also a decision point? Why is there a crisis point in our Christian education? Because it is. It's glorious that, that there seems to be some new life coming in. There's, uh, uh, we have a new uh, facility, you know, the, the, the painting of the, of the rooms and, and chairs and, and new attention being paid to the, to the, to the Sunday school program. And this is, this is so valuable. Uh, why do I say that we are at a crisis point now? Because I believe that the most important education is not merely what's in the Sunday school curriculum. Most important education is what the children see in us. Are we teaching them forgiveness? Are we teaching them joy? Are we teaching them to welcome the stranger, to love our neighbor? Are we listening to them, honoring their gifts? Are we letting them see what it means to be planted by the living water? And we don't get to choose whether or not we participate in this kind of education. We are participating every moment, every day. The only thing we get to choose is what kind of example we will set for them. In our garden, are we planted by the streams of living water? Are we showing them how to be planted by streams of living water? So as a community, let's keep this in mind. Let's ponder on this. What are we doing? What will we do with the garden that has been entrusted to us? May the living waters of our God nourish us, nourish our children, and lead us in the way of righteousness. Let's pray. God, you come to us in so many ways in the crying of a child, in the silence behind it, in the sunshine outside and in the warmth of fellowship inside. Lord, we pray for your streams of living water because without them we are nothing. Nourish our roots. Grant us growth that we might be fruitful from being beside your streams of living water. Bless this place, bless these people, bless us to your service. In Jesus' name, amen.